By the way, man, I want to give you something special. Something I won't be using that much now I'm getting married. Is it your Xbox One? Even better. Is this what I think it is? Yeah, man. <laughs> this is the nicest thing anyone's ever done for me. Oh, watch this suit, man. <laughs> I'm fine, I'm fine. I just need a minute. <laughs> On second thought, I'm gonna take that back. I'll see you at church. <laughs> JR Cigars, ditch your best, man. Keep your password. Get ready for Smoke Night Live with Massa Sensei. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show. This is Smoke Night Live, episode 299. Uh, we call this episode uh, From Seed to Coop. Because as you may have noticed, I'm sitting next to none other than Cigar Coop in Coop! studio. Welcome to the show, Coop. How are you doing? Hey, thanks for having me. And thanks for the great Colorado hospitality everyone showed me here this week. It's been great. Coop, you're in Colorado. You're hanging out. We got to taste some of the famous Colorado pork green chili. Thoughts? Amazing. Um, you know, I expected it to be green. It's not green. It's red. <laughs> um, it's it is like no. It's something you know you can't get Colorado pork green pork chili in the east. No, it's in fact the weird thing, Coop, is you can really only get it. In Colorado and New Mexico, I don't know why that is, but uh, it's one of those things, and it's super tasty, and me and you and my wife went out the other night, had some pork green chili, and then we went and had a cigar, had a good time, and Jack wanted to come out, but he couldn't. I wish he could have. It would have yeah, been that, great. That would have been great. It so tonight, Coop, we are going to delve deep into what makes Coop Coop. Coop is the most lovable Coop, guy Coop. in the cigar industry. Uh, he's... He's my news guy. Like, when I want cigar news, I follow Coop. I, I, I get the real story. No rumors, no teasers. The actual story. That's what we do. That's what you do. That's what we do, yeah. And so, Coop, before we get into talking about you, let's just talk a little bit about the cigar industry and what's going on. And um, I don't want to do too much of this because it's kind of been covered a bazillion times. Yep. But... Uh, we're heading off to TPE on Tuesday, and uh, you're going as well. Yep. So uh, for folks that don't know, there's there's really one main trade show in the cigar industry. And for years, it's been called the IPCPR. Uh, and But now there's another trade show in town. And it's been around for a while, but it's been just a very small... Um, more centric on like convenience stores and that kind of thing. But now it's starting to get a little bit more uh, gravitas, so to speak. And it's the Tobacco Plus Expo, and it's in Las Vegas. So talk a little bit about that. Why did you decide to go this year? Um, I'm going to be completely honest. TPE invited me. Um, and IPCPR for years... They've 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 been they've welcomed us to the show. I'm not gonna say they didn't. Barely. But TPE is growing something here, and they invited they invited me to come out and see what this was all about. And I think I owed it to them to do that. Um, to, because right now I, I this isn't the PCA trade show. 
But let's see where they're at, and maybe I can kind of assess where, where this is going right now. Um, it's another good opportunity for relationships, obviously. But I, I, I want to see what this show is, and is this show a, a viable alternative to the main trade show? I don't know the answer to that yet. Um, that's, what, that's what I'm hoping to find out here. So, so Coop, the, the trade show, the main trade show, which has been the IPCPR for years, and uh, it's coming up on, what, the 87th or... 88th. 88th, yep. okay, coming up on the 88th. There is, there is stuff going on. It's a tumultuous year for them. Um, a lot of company, not a lot, but some of the biggest, the four biggest companies have pulled out. And so how do you assess, what do you imagine that's going to happen at... When you go to PCA this year, in the summertime, how do you imagine it being like? What in just like right now in your mind's eye, how do you envision the PCA going down next year? I I honestly think we're gonna have a down trade show like we did last year. Um, I don't think I don't know if it will be worse than last year, but I don't see how it's gonna improve when you have the the magnitude of the four companies sitting home: uh, Davidoff, Drew Estate, General, and Altidus. These, I mean, when you look at some of the iconic brands that are not going to be represented at the trade show under those four companies, it's a huge blow. And, um, you know, at the same time, there's going to be these companies, they're going to be offering deals that summertime, too. So if they're offering a lot of deals, will that keep up? Will will that be enough to keep people away from seeing the other companies? I do think these other companies are stepping up. I mean, the Alex Bradley's are stepping up, uh, certainly the Tatawahe's, uh, you know, the Roma Crafts is announced they're going. So there's going to be a lot of companies that are stepping up on this, but you can't, this is very hard to replace what we've seen leave this show right now. Coop, do you, how do you think this will affect the, the amount of retailers that go? Like, I mean, obviously a lot of these retailers go because they want to get Monte Cristo. They want to get Cohiba. They want to get, you know, the, the big iconic brands and, and do deals for those. They're not going to be there. So will this affect the amount of, of retailers that show up at the show? It definitely will. I don't think it's going to gain back some of the losses, though, from last year. And, you know, last year there were a lot of reasons why. But I think pe- there were some people saying, you know what, I don't need to go. I'm going to stay home. Show deals are going to be offered to me. But then there's going to be that group of retailers who are worried they're missing something. They want to be at the party in Vegas. They want to they have their photos taken with, uh, with some of the manufacturers. There's friends out there. So... I'm not seeing. I, I I'm think I'm. My guts tell me it's going to be flat this year, from last year. I don't think I. Maybe a little worse, but it's not going to be better. I don't see how they're going to make this better right now. Yeah, that's a tricky one. I mean, obviously, I think we all hope that things work out. Um, what happened, Coop? Why why was there the fallout? How come four of the the biggest manufacturers in the industry? Are not going to the show yet. We give just give me your Reader's Digest version of what happened. What happened? Well, you know, so PCA, formerly IPCBR, it's it's been in, around for eighty eight years. That's a um, that's a group that has primarily supported the retailers. It's a retailer organization. It's represented the interests of the retailers. The trade show's grown, and a lot of the trade show, a lot of funding for this organization comes from the trade show. And there are um, significant, these are big companies that would you know, buy big booth space. And they're a big part of, of how this is funded. But PCA is also, in, in the way they've taken on the interest of the retailers, they have also, um, they have to start representing the interests of them right now. And there's definitely some divides right now from some of these companies uh, 
between what PCA stands on things. I think flavored tobacco is a good example of that. Um, but at the same time, these companies, they're not like in the direction they're going in and they don't have a voice to take control of this because this is a primarily a retailer organization. I think what happened last year coming out of the trade show was kind of a, if they were going to make a move saying, hey, if we don't get a seat at the table, we're out. I think what happened last year was the impetus for that, mainly the low attendance. So I think they, they want their interests represented here and they feel, why are we funding this trade show when we feel our interests are not being represented here right now? And, and that's why they pulled out. What was the, besides flavored tobacco, what do you think was the other uh, items that they didn't feel that they was being represented to their liking? Um, you know, I would say, it's tough to say. I, I don't think it's just flavor, but obviously I think some of the regulatory pieces right now, they have their own direction they want to go in as far as that goes. I think they were unhappy, though, with, with some of the spending going on at the trade show. Like, I think Cigar Con certainly didn't help that. Uh, the fact that they were going down the cigar con route and these companies really weren't in the fold of that. They're saying, well, why are we doing this when we're not, when we should be promoting our, you know, promoting our agenda here with that? So I think you combine all those things. And, uh, but, but again, I, I think it's a power struggle that was, that really is happening here more. Like, don't they, you, don't you think that the, the retail side of it had a lot to do with it? Like, it seems like the PCA uh, isn't as sympathetic to the online retailers. And, you know, obviously Altidus General, Davidoff have, you know, major retail operations. And that that seemed to be like a, a big part of this. I think that's a fair point, too. Um, you know, because, again, General, you mentioned all those have, uh, except Drew Estate's probably the one that doesn't have that. Um, but the other three certainly do have online retail operations and they're certainly sell, selling that way as well. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk that the online people they feel they have never been represented by pca before um but at the same time i think there's people in the pca that are very unhappy with these companies that you know particularly i think that, that probably davidoff's one that for sure they went direct to consumer on a lot and i think that played a big role in that so i think you're right on that all right so uh we got a question already what are we smoking uh i'll tell you right now i am smoking the agonorsa leaf signature series very very tasty coop what do you got uh um, believe you got it or not going? i have a lancero and oh. it's the Far Eastern Dojo exclusive by Caldwell. You're not a big Lancero guy. I'm not a big Lancero guy, but this is a very good Lancero. Jordan, what are you? What are you? What jo a producer, Jordan boy? What are you? Our, our 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 producer, fancy producer guy. What do you got going? Got huh? the uh, Wise Man Maduro. There's a little Wise Man Maduro. I'm gonna need a new cigar. Pretty we soon. got a small studio audience. You can see Matt back there in the, in the background. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's close enough. He's hanging out, uh, smoking with us, having a good time. Coop, uh, this is the season. Uh, cigar of the year lists. They it's finally over. Do you feel a little bit of a, a sigh of relief, like it's over? It went long this year. I know people like say my list is long, like thirty days, but it went a lot longer than thirty days this year because they just really wrapped up the the consensus wrapped it up on Monday. So it was already two and a half to three weeks since the coop list came out. So uh, it was. It seemed like a very long. You guys did your list a little later this year too, even. Yeah, I mean, well, we we spread it out a little bit more, but I don't know if we did Ours, it later. It was the same as last year, but yeah. last year was yeah. later than the year before. Right. Yeah, I remember. I do remember the days when you were the New Year's New Year's Day, like you did the announcements on that. Right. So. Right. We did used to do it on New Year's Day every day, which was kind of fun, but it was just too hectic with the the holidays and everything, so we yeah. pushed it back. Yeah. You know. But um, guys, here's the deal. So we're gonna we're gonna delve deep into 
what makes Coop Coop. And um, but I'm curious if you're joining us on the Facebook uh, chat right now, uh, you guys can answer some of these questions yourself. Uh, you know, let's just talk amongst ourselves in the Facebook chat as well. Um, but I, you know, Coop has always been, in my opinion, one of the most sort of uh, fun, lovable guys in the industry. And Coop, we've done a lot together, me and you. Uh, we've traveled. Absolutely, yep. We've uh, hung out at on multiple occasions and spent a ton of time together. So I just wanted to find out, like, what makes Coop tick? Like, what? How did Coop end up to be Coop? You know, I don't like know about that. <laughs> and, you know, like several weeks ago or a couple months ago, we did a, a, a an episode on Hector from seed to Hector. So we thought we'd bring that back and do from seed to Coop. So to do that, Coop, we have to start at the very, very beginning. Right. And so let's let's do that. Uh, where were you born, Coop? What you know, like uh, talk about the hospital. Where what hospital were you born at? Do you remember? Yeah, Methodist Hospital in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, New York. Yep. And so, what type of family did you did you come from? What was the family like? So this is a I have a really hybrid mix here, and it's as hybrid as you can get. Uh, my dad's side Eastern European uh, Jewish, mom's side Italian. Oh yeah. Um, two big subcultures within Brooklyn. So you had like the the Jewish and the Catholic absolutely influences combining as one. Were Were you raised either uh, a Jewish or were you raised Catholic or so the plan was that the plan the plan was <laughs> so you have to understand that like what I was born in the uh, 1967 it was only 20 something years removed from Holocaust right so really at the time when you married into a Jewish family the the idea was that the children would be brought up Jewish and that was the plan all along for me um my when my grandparents passed away that plan changed mm. Um, and it kind of like I kind of eventually just found myself on that. Eventually, I ended up uh, going Catholic and marrying an Italian person. So that's kind of how that ended up. But it was an interesting. Like I said the dynamics were very interesting even at that time because again, twenty it was only twenty two years removed from the Holocaust uh, when I was born. You know what's crazy about that coup is you think like like I was born like two years before you were right. And nowadays you think of some of these events, uh, the Holocaust or right. World War Two. And we think of them as, as so long ago, right? But, like, when me and you were growing up, like, World War II, the Holocaust, it it really wasn't, you know, like, nowadays we're further away from, like, you know, the year 1990 than we were at the time of those events. It, it, it really is, and you don't realize, you know, now you look back at it like, wow, it was that close, like, the end of World War II. Right. I mean, even World War One, you look back. Uh, World War One was fifty years beforehand, right? So I mean, go figure that. Right. So, so Coop, when you when you were growing up in New York, as as a little guy, and um, your family was you know entrenched in sort of probably the the New York style. I mean, you still have the you know the accent and stuff, and you still follow the teams. Well, let's sum it up. Yeah, you're you're a, well, you're a Philly. How did oh. you become a Philadelphia Flyers I, fan? Um, it's That's when I mo- I moved into the Philly area eventually. Oh, okay. Why not? Yeah. But so you're still a giant, a New York Giants. I always fan. stay with the Giants. You're yeah. The, I almost wavered from them this year. Was but. your was your family <laughs> into sports? Were you into sports as a kid? Um, it was my dad's brother was really the primary sports guy. My uncle Lance, um, and my grandfather. My dad was, he never when when the Brooklyn Dodgers left 
he never he just lost interest in sports. That was it. They left yeah. and your dad was like, That's it. However, my I'm dad done with was sports. My dad was a huge horse racing guy. And uh he loved I mean, he didn't just love going to the track and making bets. He loved the sport of horse racing as well. That's one he did love. Did you did you play sports as a kid? I played soccer. Yeah. And then I no, did, I asked if you played sports. Sports. <laughs> That's a sport. <laughs> I'm just I, I was in the so- I was in that soccer Ouch. boom. Yeah. So I was in that soccer boom when Pele came to New York. Oh yeah. That was right. a big deal, right? So I kind of got in on that. I broke my leg playing soccer and I ended up not playing in high school and I ended up getting into cycling, bicycling. Um and I did a lot of bicycling. Wait, 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 wait. So you were into cycling? Yeah. What what sort of cycling were you? Into? Uh basically road racing. Really? Yeah. Like uh I you know, I would do I do some of the the Five Boroughs tour. I did that. Um, I've done some time trialing um, as well. I was into the Tour de France before anyone knew about the Tour de France. But you didn't do steroids. I didn't do steroids, no. <laughs> no, I didn't do steroids. I, 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 every test came back clean. Uh, so, Coop, when you, when you were a kid, uh, what was your favorite Saturday morning cartoon? Oh, it was definitely Challenge of the Super Friends. So the Super Friends was this group of, you know, the superheroes. But then they came up with this thing called the Legion of Doom, which were the bad guys that would battle the Super Friends. And I think it was on for a couple of years. And, and in my opinion, that was the best like superhero cartoon ever made. I literally do not remember that at all. You can Google it. It's Super Friends. Yeah, the Super Friends were definitely, in my opinion, um, hard to top that. I mean, the Jetsons would be a close second. Oh, the Jetsons. Yeah, yeah, but the Jetsons weren't on Saturday I think they now, were on Saturday mornings for a little while. Jetsons yeah. and Flintstones, See, weren't Flintstones they like were, primetime kind of? Flintstones was primetime. That's why I didn't count that. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, the. the very uh, strict criteria. It's very strict, strict criteria, just like the Coop list we do. But yeah, I mean, Saturday morning cartoons was an institution. And we would, when September would come around, the big thing is what would be that new lineup of the Saturday morning cartoons? Right. It was a big deal. Yeah. Like, I can remember, like, for as a kid in the. 60s, 70s, like w- that was our way to sort of see the shows. Nowadays, you know, you can just stream whatever you want, and so there's there's definitely that's that part of our society's just gone. But it seems like that was a neat sort of time for us. Like you get up, you get your cereal, your cold cereal, your Frosted Flakes or whatever, super sugar. Can you imagine there was there everyone used- had a, everyone had a kid cereal? I, they I keep this going. Just on, you know, Netflix. On principle, Jordan. Yeah, and Netflix and Hulu. I uh, Every Saturday morning, watch Bob's Burgers, get some cereal. Same deal. Just streaming. What was, Coop, what was the best, in your opinion, the best cold cereal? Fruit Loops. <laughs> because Archie Bunker liked Fruit Loops. I love Fruit Loops, and I would not have it with milk. Don't you think, though, that they... They they wanted Archie Bunker to be the bad guy, but for some reason everybody just loved him anyways. That's what happened. Is they if you remember Archie Bunker when he when that show All in the Family came out, he was not a likable character. Right. They softened him a little by season three or four. They made him a little more of a commodrin. Then they went a little, like by the time the show ended, they went way too far with it and they killed it. But but I think when they softened Archie up just a little and he. And he'd be like, there's things where he'd be eating the Fruit Loops. He'd be chasing Marvin the Mouse around the house. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the the battles he'd have with Meathead. I mean, th- that little softening made him much more lovable. Plus, I also think that just I- even though they wanted to make him look like a buffoon, like a lot of people just sort of agreed with some of the stuff he was saying. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, it, right? I remember the once uh, Gloria's pregnant, and he uh, he basically they have some woman come over who's going to determine the sex of the baby, and he goes. 
oh, that's crapola, right? <laughs> and then they, they do this ring on the string, and, and the ring on the string is going towards a boy, going towards a boy. And Archie's like really getting into it. He goes, it's a boy, it's a boy. And, and he's like, yeah, yeah. And Mita turns around to him and says, I thought it was crapola. He goes, yeah, until I saw it with my own eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I've, it's sort of like today, like it seems like, you know, the dad – on every show is supposed to be this bumbling they always fool, do. right? Yeah. Like and Homer the woman's Simpson. always outsmarting him. I mean, and, and you know, it's, I, I, I'm not saying I don't... It, it's gone too far. Yeah, it seems yeah. to be that way. So me, I'm trying to think, like, I can remember um, Frosted Flakes. Tony that, the Tiger. Tony the Tiger was like... That was one of my favorite. And I would literally... Here's, here's the trick. If you guys want a trick to this day. Frosted Flakes. Put the Frosted Flakes in your bowl. Pour milk in there, and then the very top layer, just pour a little top layer of just table cream, like half and half, uh-huh. on oh. the top. It's to Ooh, this day, yeah. it's it is lights out. I mean, yeah. it's it's basi- it's basically better than. Well, that's the kind of same way you almost you do your mojitos. You know, you just have that little right. top layer of rum after the fact. Right, exactly. Floating up there. I I wanted to make my frosted flakes more complex. Exactly. I wanted to add a layer of complexity to it which sort of you know to this day i like this layer of complexity so um coop uh nowadays like people play pretty much everything they play on their phones right like games on their phones and stuff but back in the day we played board games yeah so what was your favorite board game as R- a kid oh risk 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 by far i mean take now over that's the, world. the one that would take forever yeah, but we really got into it a bunch of like even though like by the time I was in like junior high and high school the video games were starting to come on board. We really would get into Risk. Uh, we'd have these nights where we would just play Risk and it was great, you know, who would take over the world. I mean, and that was Coop, there's two games that take that long. It's Monopoly and Risk. Risk yes. easily defeats Monopoly, right? Yeah. I don't think that I ever played Risk in my entire life. You know what? That's the one game I wish would come. I'm not a big board game guy anymore. But that's the one game I wish would come back. It was a lot of people get into Dungeons and Dragons, which I never got into. That was sort of like more like eighties, right? Yeah, and that was more role playing. This wasn't a cla- this was a classic board game. I'll give Clue as Clue is a pretty cool game. To when play. you played Monopoly, Coop, what piece would you want to be? It was the race car. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it was that race car. The little little race. Yeah, car. I didn't want to be like the iron or something. It was like a little. It was flat a iron. foot. Yeah, there was a foot. Yeah, yeah the iron was the most. How do you I like? Was, how do you I like that Topo Chico? Really good. Really good. I think the the iron was definitely the most boring piece. I was yeah, always forced right. to be the iron. <laughs> Matt, Matt was the iron. You were the iron. Yeah, no, nah, the iron was. Yeah, you'd be, and we we fight to be the race car. I mean, you would. You know, that was the problem. You fight to be it. I think it was cool that the families would get together over over a board game. My wife's big into board games still. I'm just I lost a lot of interest in it. Period. But but she never liked to play Risk either so you know you know what drives me nuts about board games though is like the argument about rules you know like i i tend to just like want to be hanging out with the family and just talking right and then, and then there's like this this big argument over like well that's not the way we played in the midwest you know i mean <laughs> in the midwest you don't get it you don't get that you know but how great was it when they did monopoly on the sopranos oh yeah i like, mean it bobby bacala bobby bacala tony goes yeah, crazy over that Monopoly game, and it and it completely reinvigorated a lot of people at Monopoly when that yes. that was one of the epic episodes of The Sopranos. Oh yeah, that was yeah. that was incredible. That was right at the very end. Very end was the last year. That was that yeah. yeah, very yeah. End. So Coop, um, 
Uh, riding a bike. Uh, do you remember learning how to ride a bike? Uh, I mean, you said that you actually got into bike racing. Right. Do you remember like the first? I can tell you like the first bicycle I ever had uh, was a I think something I bought from Target. It was like it was called the Clean Machine, and I remember it was brand spanking new. And my brother said, "Hey, I'll I'll race you around the block." On on your on your brand new clean machine. So like I got my clean machine out and I like I'm booking around the block and here comes my brother. He's five years older than me. He's like dramatically older than me. So he should have killed me, right? But I'm like I'm beating him to the finish line. And he just he like coop, he like pushes me to the side and our our feet hook each other and I I wipe out horribly. I destroy my bike. The first day I have it, I literally I destroy the bicycle and my dad took it back to the store, and he was like, yeah, yeah. This, this, uh, I thought this bike had chrome wheels. Uh, can we switch it? And so they gave us a brand-new bicycle, but I had the clean machine. What was the first bicycle that you you ever remember having as a kid? The Sears Free Spirit. Oh, my gosh. Sears used to make their own brand of bicycles. It was called Free Spirit. And and was that like a was like a BMX bike, or was it just like a 10-speed, or what? It was, a, it was active type, a 3-speed. Are you all right there, Coop? Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> you, you need me to mute you, Coop? Okay. <laughs> I've done this to Emmett. No, I'm good. I'm a good. Little, a little too much Topo Chico for Coop yeah, there. No, no. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a three speed. Um, and then a I three upgraded. speed. Yep. Yeah. It was a, they made three speed bikes back then, and then I upgraded to a ten speed. They had three speed, five speed, and ten speed back then. Um, and then I went to a Schwinn ten speed after that. So you you didn't play baseball or or that? You said you played soccer. Yeah, I didn't play baseball. How uh, come? Because you're a baseball fan. Growing up, where I grew up, when I moved to Staten Island, um, the Little League system there is very intense, and it was not a conducive place for someone who didn't know how to play baseball very well. <laughs> so it was not a league. It was th- this is a this is a system on Staten Island where they they are they are gearing to to go to the World uh, the Little League World Series every year. So it was a little too too much. It was a little too much. So it really you know for me I wouldn't even made the team. I remember I, I, I played little league football, and I was for sure I was going to be a uh, professional football player. I mean, I, I, that's what, what I had in mind. Of course, I didn't grow. Like, every other kid grew, and I stayed, like, four foot eight. Right. So I didn't make it. But I, I, saw, I saw earlier somebody made a comment. I think it was uh, Steve said he had a Huffy. I had a Huffy, too. Remember the Huffy that sort of looked... That sort of looked a little bit like a motorcycle. It was like a Huffy bike, but it looked it's supposed to look like a motorcycle. Yeah, it had, uh, it had. Yeah, exactly. It had that. I had one of those too. And yeah. then they had those those rough tires. The dirt. They yeah. called them dirt bikes back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I remember that Sears. I had that a long time. That bicycle. I had it with trade. I went from trading wheels. I had it about four or five years. But then, uh, then mm-hmm. sort of like those. Do you remember? Can you remember the time when like you started to realize like. You're not like a little kid anymore, and you wanted to start doing like adult kind of stuff. Like, yeah, you know. So it happened a little earlier for me because um, one is my dad is a huge car buff, so he was very anxious to get me behind the wheels of a car as soon as possible because he obviously wanted to have his son have a car. So um, and then you know, I was the drinking age was 18 for a long time in New York. Now, now when the drinking age was 18. Was it three two beer or was it full on beer? Full on, really? It was eighteen. Uh, I had my. I went into a bar at fifteen years old. Had a whiskey sour. Wow. Um, I had. I 
when you have facial hair at 15, it was a little easier to kind of, and <laughs> it was, and there was no such thing. The ID checks back then weren't like they are now. So yeah, I was going to say there was no legal drinking age back then, right? Well, there was, so, but um, I'm supposed to show that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if you wanted a fake ID, you could you could get one or make one very easy. Um, in in my case, it wasn't. They didn't have to do the age verifications back then, so it was it was it was. I mean, it was easier to do it. So I kind of found myself going to, and I'm, I never was even a heavy drinker there. It was more of like getting in, you know, was was, was the cool thing, you know. Today, like a 15 year old. They it ain't gonna happen. Twenty one. The age checks. It's all changed though. Well, yeah. that's that's a good question from Chad. Chad, uh, Chad. Do you remember any uh, family vacations and uh, where where did you go? Was it? So, again, you when you grow up in the um, in the in a Jewish family, a lot of people went vacationing in the Catskills, and there were a lot of these uh, these iconic resorts in in the Catskills. These iconic family resorts. So we would tend to go. There and the Catskills are about seventy-five miles north of New York City. Um, so we 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 didn't have we didn't do the Disneyland trips back then. We would go on some of these vacations with my grandfather and stuff. But um, yeah, and it was like I remember like my dad would just want to sit around and like get a suntan, and my mom would want to do all like the shuffleboard and stuff. And uh, <laughs> you know, and, and 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 then they had these day camps where I got sent to right. Oh. And then, yeah, they send you off to day camp, right, for the day, which 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 actually sucked. But when I got a little older, it was a little more fun. And then, you know, you start meeting females, you know, it, which was pretty cool. Whoa. But, so, so, Coop, you were a little racy in here. You were you a ladies but, man. Yeah, but, you know, here's the thing, Eric, that's really sad about this. These Catskill resorts have all suffered and gone out of business. Mm. Um, a lot of it had to do, they were hoping to get the casinos, and the casinos permits weren't given to a lot of these places and they couldn't compete and it's it's a lot of these resorts are almost like ghost towns today it's really a, a setting but pick your dirty dancing that's what those resorts were like those right. are the type of resorts they were so so when you got to high school well, what high school did you go to i went to a high school called curtis high school um it was about a 10 minute walk from the staten island ferry which connects staten island because like, we moved to staten island from brooklyn so i went to curtis high school 10 minutes from the staten island ferry and the ferry connects is how you go from Staten Island to Manhattan, Lower Manhattan. Do you do you remember like some of your high school buddies? I'm still friends with a lot of my high really? school buddies. Yeah, my wow. friend Mike Kitka. Uh, I love him like a brother. I've Mike connected Kitka? with certain other friends on Facebook over the years. Um, so yeah, it's I. There's still Mike is probably still a guy. Uh, I miss him dearly because he's up in New York still. But um, yeah, I mean we still we. Bonds were formed then. And he coached the Bears for a while, right? Kitka, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, and we had a, we had a third buddy, uh, Steve. Unfortunately, he passed away. Um, and we were like the Three Musketeers for a long time. Yeah. Do you do you remember your first high school sweetheart? Yes, I do. What was what was her name? Her name is uh, Lisa Paolillo. Wow. Who became Lisa Cooper? Really? Yes. You. So mm. she married somebody else named Cooper. That's interesting. <laughs> Right, right. So, um, I'll give the the Reader's Digest version. Um, yes, we met in high school. We went to a prom together. We had a friendship, uh, maybe a little more of a, a high school crush on my end. Um, Ooh. but we really didn't start dating till a few years later. We 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 reconnected. Um, actually in Manhattan. Um, it, it, going on that Staten Island ferry. So now, how old were you when you reconnected? Twenty. So you were high school. You you knew back in high school. Like this is the this is the girl for me. Yes. Um, what was it about her that you that that 
that you said, oh, this is this is the girl for me. You know, she was a lot like me. And back in high school, I was a very quiet person. I was, really? over, I was much more shy. Like people who know me today don't who see me in high school don't believe I do a podcast. But I was very and she was kind of like that same type of person, and we, we were able to just connect on that um, at, at a nice level. Um, and uh, you know, it was it was a good thing. You know, there were just uh, you know, she was she was the good girl. I mean, she was the good girl. Went to church every week and things like that. Was she was she Catholic? Yeah. All right. So very. You- I'll say this. I married a I married someone who was a Catholic theology. She ended up a Catholic theology major. Oh wow! And an English major. Yeah. So I mean, she was. It was kind of like cause I, some of the other girls I did. They just they were not <laughs> the best. I guess. Now I I remember that that my grandma, my dad's mom, she was she was. Now this is before I came around, but I heard these stories. Right. So I'm not saying I was around to hear this, but I know the story. And I know that my grandma was a Nor- 100% Norwegian, right? Right. 100% Norwegian. And my mom was 100% Italian. And so when my mom and dad got together, my grandma on my dad's side, she didn't want my dad marrying an Italian because she thought of that as like, you know, like uh, she, she thought that was bad. Like this is like a minority that you don't want to be with, the Italians. <laughs> so was there any... Like the fact that your dad was Jewish, was there any uh, reservations from him that you were marrying a Catholic girl? I'll never forget. I went. It was Sunday morning, um, and I had this talk with him that I was going to do this, and I was scared to death. Um, hey, how did it go, Coop? What, okay. He couldn't. Have, he couldn't have been better about oh, it. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, he couldn't have been better. He he loved Lisa. He still does. Um, so he was very supportive of it. So um, there was no other there was no other girlfriends before Lisa. That was it. No, there were a few. There was a few. There were a few. And there was Abigail. Abigail. Oh. Abigail. She was a, a wonderful uh, uh, girl from Puerto Rico uh, when you went high school. And then Lisa came around. You said, there, was, there was. I know. Yeah, there was Lisa. There was Gina. Gina was a head case. We'll get into her. <laughs> <laughs> did you did did Gina Lisa was, did Lisa know Avila and Gina? Uh she knew Gina. Yeah, really well, but there was no. You know, she never. They never met either one. Uh, Avila was more like that first crush type of thing, I would say. You know, and so then, when uh, did you and Lisa marry? We married in nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety. So I was twenty. It was gonna be twenty three when I got married. So I had taken a job um, out of college, and I moved. I had a. I moved up to uh, the the Catskill area of New York, actually, and. Uh, we, you know, we were apart, so we decided to accelerate the wedding a little. It made a little more sense at that time. Why? Why did you have to accelerate the wedding? Because we were living a hundred miles apart oh. back then. Again, I'm calling. Maybe I'm, I was I'm gonna not gonna lie. Thought maybe I was gonna get a look. Look, Catholic girl, Catholic family. It wasn't gonna work. Uh, you know, that was not gonna fly over. So we were gonna, yeah. How did Lisa's family react to uh, to you coming into into their family? Oh, they were great. Um, you know, they they couldn't have been better about it. Um. They, uh, you know, they were obviously her dad uh, was a little cautious, but um, he, you know, welcomed me right into the family. And he's still, you know, he's still alive today. And uh, so I'm very happy about that. Do you guys go visit the, the, the family back in New York much? Or? We were just up there. Um, so Lisa's family's now all, most of them are in the South or in Florida. Uh, my family's still up. So we were up in New York um, right around Christmas week, right after New Year's. Um, so, and that was really, I know a lot of people I didn't get to see up there. Um, and we had to leave, unfortunately, earlier than expected. But, um, you know, we don't, 
we don't get, you know, when we get up there, our time is so much in demand and there's so many people to go see um, that we really, uh, you know, we wanted to spend some quality time with the family this year. Do you think that there's any moments from your upbringing that have shaped you uh, into, like I said, like, you know, obviously everybody knows like Coop is big on rumor free, teaser free. You don't like to, you don't like to break a story until the story is 100% verified. Is anything from your up, was there anything from your upbringing that made you have these feelings about being, you know, very, very rigid about the way that you, you know, post stuff on Cigar Coop to this day? You know, I think there was a there was always a sense of values that were instilled in me. Um, I'm not gonna say my dad always followed those values because that was far from the truth. But he was, you know, the kind of guy handshake agreement, very important. Believed in the handshake contract. Uh, my mom, very ethical person. Um, so I always kind of felt that that was something that was kind of ingrained with me very early on, and uh, you know, eventually. You know, when I see when I saw things happening uh, with the way Cigar News was being reported, I think that was it was a good conduit like with that. But yeah, I think there was I I can say I could definitely say there was. All right, we're gonna get into how Coop got into the cigar business after this commercial. Uh, this show is sponsored by JR Cigars, one of the world's largest online cigar stores. JR's inventory ranges from everyday bundled cigars to incredibly high end boxes, including the brand new exclusive. Cabanas, crafted by the legendary Don Pepin Garcia. Don't forget to check out their social media pages, including YouTube, where they feature cigar reviews, interviews, and their famous weekly top five videos. Check out Cigar uh, JR Cigars for all of your premium cigar needs. Thank you to JR for sponsoring Smoke Night Live. Coop, there was a point in your life when you got into cigars. Uh, how young were you when you had your first cigar? I had had some periodically. I mean, I think my first one I had was like 95, right? But I'd say when I became a regular smoker was 2006. So um, what was, can you remember the first, first of all, just the very first cigar that you ever had? What it was, was it? It was a, it was a JR. It was a JR like? Uh, one of those exclusive ones, yeah. You know? And then what was, do you remember like a brand? JR branded, yeah. That you do, uh, do you remember like a brand though after that? Like I can remember uh, smoking a, six, a 1964 Padron, and that changed the way I thought of premium cigars. Like I had had a couple, and I thought they were good, but then I had a 64, and then I was like, oh, okay, I un- I get this. I get this hobby now. I want more of this. Oh, it was CAO. It was definitely CAO. It was the Brasilia. The, the Brasilia. Brasilia. The Brasilia, which was a little stronger cigar than I was used to, but I started with that one early, and I thought it was something – I was infatuated with the whole World Series because they had the they had the Italia, they had the America back then. So, but but it was that Brasilia, which I today I'm not the biggest Araparaca fan, but that was a great cigar. And then at some point along the way, you said to yourself, "I want to create a blog, or I want to get into the business to talk uh, talk about that." Um, so I moved. I was originally smoking in New York. I moved to Charlotte in 2008. Um, and the first thing I wanted to do in Charlotte is I wanted to find a a place to smoke. So I found this one store. They're no longer in business. I developed a friendship with the owner. and uh, But I started already, like, I'm a type A personality, so I started already, like, really getting into this, right? And I was already following a lot of stuff. And I was, you know, the early blogs and uh, aficionado. 
And the owner kind of said, hey, I'm looking to kind of expand what I'm doing with the Huberdor. Would you come out and help me do some buying? Right? And I'm like, go out to the trade show, that is, in 2010. So I went out to the trade show. My first one was as a buyer. I, I had that reaction that everyone has in the trade show. It's a magical reaction. You walk in, it's like Cigar Disneyland. It's like you see this, and I'm like, this is like unbelievable. Right? And you're seeing all these new products. So what I did is essentially I said I was starting to capture some of these moments. And essentially um, I created a, a, a blog, and it was meant to be a, a temporary blog. Um, where I wrote about, and they're still out on Cigar Coop. The articles are terrible. The photography's atrocious, <laughs> right? But you'll see I called it Tales from the IPCBR. And I wrote about the boots experiences that I have. Uh, there's even an article called Matt Boots in a Booth in there. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, and it was a way of kind of documenting. I didn't have video back then or anything like that. It was a way of kind of documenting that. People actually read it uh, from the industry, which I was surprised how small this industry was. And then they said, hey, would you like to review a cigar on this? I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. And the next thing I know is I'm starting to review cigars. And um, then I would go into the cigar lounge, and people would – I'd talk about all this stuff, like, going on in the industry. And someone uh, – one of the guys in the cigar lounge, I'll never forget, turned to me and said, why don't you put that on your blog, the news stuff? I never thought of that, Right. So I was putting the news out there. But how did I put the news out there? It was all secondhand stuff. You know, it was kind of I was getting it from other sources. And I was citing the sources. Um, there was eventually a point where I said I want to become the source. So that's kind of how it evolved. Um, I never expected Cigar Coop to last past that first IPCBR. So you've, you've sort of seen a bit of the progression of this online cigar stuff. Uh, talk a little bit about what you've seen over these past 10, 12 years of online cigar media or just cigar media in general. How has it changed? What's different? What's better? What's worse? Well, back when I was getting into this, um, there was a, there was there was some most of the early bloggers were not very embracing to anyone new. Uh, they almost like put up a wall. Um, they didn't want to embrace anybody new. They didn't take it very seriously. Uh, they wanted to be, um, you know, they just kind of wanted to do their thing, and they didn't really care if, if what they put out there was right or wrong. Because so, they had kind of the uh, corner on the market. They had the corner on the market, and they, they just wanted to kind of, I mean, and, and then, you know, there was a controversy at the bloggers at IPCBR because there was one blogger that, that ruined it for everybody. Um, and then there was another blogger named Gary Arts, I think, who just set Cigar Medium back 10 years. I said, you know. He was uh, writing stuff that just was so wrong, right? Uh, like, like, what do you mean? Like, what was wrong about what he was saying? I mean, he wrote some stuff about Illusioni and, you know, I mean, I think there was a whole there was a whole connotation with the Illusioni brand was about, which something represented something evil. It really wasn't that. Mm. And he was just shooting from the hip, and he'd make stuff up, and it just it wasn't true. I mean, so I know, like, I started to see it. I think Charlie Minato, to give him credit, probably saw it before I did. Um, you know, when we saw it, it, there was a real gap, but there was opportunity here to do this the right way and to take it a little more seriously. So, yeah, like at this point, it's pretty much as far as cigar news goes, guys that take it seriously. Um, you know, it's Half Wheel and yourself. Uh, and then there's a lot of sites, even like the dojo. We, we do news, but that's not our main focus. You like, you're serious, but you have a you have a communal aspect. Yeah, we do. Like our main thing is the community yeah. and, and the entertainment 
sort of side of it. Was there uh, was there a conscious effort? Like, I want to be like in the in the news. I want to focus on the news. No, it actually didn't start out like that. But what happened is when I started sourcing the news myself, um, which has been a it was an enormous challenge. Um, it, it it was something that I sort of the only person really doing it at the time was Charlie mm-hmm. and Half Wheel. They were the only ones that was starting to 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 do the news. And we kind of started doing this around the same time. We were the ones that st- stopped reprinting the press releases out there. You know, it used to be the old block. You get a press release and, and the cigar company you post it word for word. Right. And I think we both kind of figured out at some point that. Um, and I I I'm gonna say I think I figured it out before he did on that one. Um, where no, we don't have to do that anymore. So I think there was opportunity. I never saw. I when I started doing the reviews, I figured I'd be a review guy. Um, I never thought it would evolve into what it did. Uh, Coop, Kokomo wants to know what's your dirty little secret smoke that you'd never get caught smoking in front of others. Eileen's Dream by CL. Good cigar. So another another uh, yeah. another CAO. Yeah, I was big into the CAO. I mean, back in its heyday, CAO was the brand. They had the flavors. They had the World Series. They had that Maduro, the Cameroon. That was a hot brand. Uh, go back twelve years ago. Hmm. Yeah, I would say um, a lot has changed. Obviously, with CAO over the years and been bought and and whatnot. Uh, how do you view them now nowadays? You know, I think General's done a relatively good job with them. They don't get the credit on it. It's not the same brand that when uh, uh, Yano Osgano owned it, right? But, you know, look, they had some success with that brand. Flathead became a very successful cigar for them, number number uh, three cigar of the year. They come out with the Amazon Basin, which kind of recaptured a little of that vibe of uh, kind of the cool stuff with CAO. They've had some misses. I'm not going to lie. The Osas, you know, they had some things that were missed. But I think they've, I think they've done a good job, and it's one of General's best-selling brands. You but know, it's not what it used to be. I'll, uh, I'll be straight on that. Yeah. Coop, back in the day, you know, with cigar smokers, um, it, uh, most cigar smokers like, would have like brands. There was like ongoing lines that people smoked. Nowadays, that seem that model is it seems to be almost dead, other than a few obvious exceptions, Fuente, Padron, and whatnot. Um, h- how do you? What happened? Is it because that they? They sort of like glommed on to the sort of the craft beer style of, of cigar releases. Or was this just something natural that uh, the cigar smoking community kind of forced on? Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Like, did the cigar smokers lust for new, different stuff change the way cigars smoker, uh, cigar manufacturers made stuff? Or did cigar smoking, this cigar manufacturers change the way cigar smokers smoke cigars today? You know, I think what happened is there was a new opportunity to happen for the smaller companies. So, you know, the bigger companies for many years, the retail, some of the bigger retailers had a hold on these, like where basically they would, they almost have exclusive territorial rights in a lot of cases. You know, and Davidoff sort of pointed Birchard Miles. So I think what happened is as some more retailers came up, they realized that they maybe can't bring in these brands because they're being blocked by another retailer. So they started investing in smaller brands. And I can tell you a good example of that happened in 2008 when I moved to Charlotte. There was one retailer. He couldn't, he couldn't get the big brands to sell to him. And he bought a bunch of Casa Magnus, right? Mm. Just selling them okay. What happened? Well, Casa Magnus gets cigar of the year. 
explodes. He's now the only guy in town with Casa Magna. I think the second thing is the, the social media piece has definitely helped expose where these smaller companies could connect with with everyday people. People could feel like they're part of the community because they're interacting with a brand owner right now. So what do they do? They, then they go tell their retailer, hey, bring, you got to bring in this brand and check it out. So I think that whole that was I think social media played a big role in that. And with the amount of stuff that had, it became no longer possible to be that one brand smoker. I even see some guys who were in their sixties. I know one guy, he was a Gloria Cubana smoker for many years. He even got caught up in it. You know, like, wow, you know, I'm getting all these other brands are coming out. So that's what I think. That's my take on it. Do you think that uh cigars in general, the blends, the tobacco the amount of effort put into releases is is better now than 10, 20 years ago, or is it worse now than 10, 20 years ago? It's definitely better. I mean, the, the you know, d- during, you know, the boom, you know, you heard about the tobacco shortages. It wasn't as good tobacco. Um, I think there's better tobacco today, um, so there's better brands. So I think, you know, I think it's definitely better. There were some really bad cigars, or, you know, I, and I remember when I was smoking in the 90s, there was some really bad cigars I remember people talking about. I hear some of the people have been doing this for a while. They said it was really bad. There's a reason why there's a lot of cigars above 80 today because back then there were cigars between 60 and 80. What, do you think that the what's next mentality destroyed the industry? I think certain companies couldn't keep up with it, right? So I think it, I think it wasn't a sustainable model. I don't want to say it destroyed the industry. Because you look at what Caldwell did, and I just wrote an article on this. You look at what Caldwell did with Lost and Found. He found a way. This is what was brilliant. He found a way to do the what's new thing. You know what? Went to factories, found some cigars, and he created a brand around it. So, and that created a whole, that created the whole Ezra Zion movement and the Tatawai Potluck series. I mean, all these things. I think it, it you know, I, so I don't think it destroyed the industry, but I think a lot of companies clearly realized they couldn't keep up with it. Uh, the smaller companies couldn't sustain it, and the bigger companies couldn't see the value in it. But I don't think it's destroyed the industry. I think that's a uh, that I'll stop short of that. Do you think that um, do you think that there will? It's it seems like it, it's very hard nowadays to like create a brand that's ongoing. I mean, Oliva with the Serie V has been able to do it right. Like that's just now a brand that people naturally have in their rotation. Obviously, Fuente and Padron, which I mentioned earlier, do that. From a smaller company perspective, I think we've seen some of this with like uh, Romacraft. They've been able yeah, to do that's this. That's what comes to mind. But this is tough to do, right? To create a brand that is is lasting. How do you create a brand that's lasting and not just the next flavor of the day? Yeah, I think you know it's a it's a hard challenge right now. Um, I think Romacraft. You look at what they've done. Um, they've done it with building core brands and keeping their limited. Not like they've done a lot of limited releases, right? But they've been they've controlled how they've gone out. They haven't uh they haven't sacrificed their regular production. And a lot of those limited releases, what are they? They're extensions of those core brands. So I think they've done a good job with that. Um, you know, Skip, think about it. how many blends does he have in his portfolio? There's not a lot, right? He's got five or six right now, maybe. So he hasn't had to do it. Where some of these small companies, they feel pressure to come out with a, a a blend every year, and now you're five or six years in, and you have six you have six blends and. You don't have the consumer base to satisfy six blends. You're sort of always chasing. It's like yeah. always chasing the yeah. next yeah. wave, right? Yeah. I, so I think you have to control that growth. All right. So, Coop, let's get right down into it. Um, brands that um, you feel are going in the right direction, brands that you feel like are struggling. What are some of the brands that you feel like in the industry right now are are struggling, like uh, that they really need 
something good. Other, uh, otherwise, they they could be theoretically in jeopardy. That's a that's a that's a tough question. I, um, you know, I think Casada's in Casada's hurting right now. Mm. I mean, if you look at where that brand was five to six years ago, I, I mean, they just sold off their iconic Fonseca brand. We don't know what's happening with the other Casada stuff. They have fallen and they've fallen fast, and they don't seem like there's any plan to kind of catch catch back up. Why, why right do why do you why do you suppose that is? Do you have any theory on that? I think there's some. I think there was some internal business challenges with that, and I think it eventually got in the way of doing business. Right. So I mean, we've seen family members depart the company. Um, we've seen people leave their distribution. So I, I, I really think I mean it's a think about what Casada was in 2014 and 15. Right. I mean, you did you did a dojo release of um, the deluxe that was I think 16 or 17. So, but I mean. Tukasada's got no more footprint in, in, in their humidors today. And you know, it kind of reminds me what happened with like uh Tony Tony uh Barani with the Bahia brands. I mean, that's just gone today. Gene Arganese with Arganese cigars are gone. Back then they those were great cigars. So now is Casada gonna join that lit? I they're really struggling right now. Hmm. All right, what about uh, brands that you're excited about that seem to be on the right trajectory? Yeah, you know, um, I definitely would say Aladino, uh, JRE Tobacco is on the right right direction right now. I think they're doing controlled growth, what they're doing. Um, so they're kind of bu- building that piece up out of, out of Honduras. So I think there's a definite um, good thing that you would say is happening there right now. Um, I think Agonorsa Leaf, like they weren't ever, I think they're really, Agonorsa Leaf finally is relevant in terms of people know who they are. They weren't the, they weren't the forgotten stepchildren anymore. As far as that goes, so I think they've done a, an extremely good job with that. As as far as it goes, you know, just Terrence, I think, has succeeded in his mission there. Uh, question from Juan Cancel: Who do you like better, um, sober Juan or drunk Juan? Sober Juan. <laughs> oh no, no, <laughs> sober Juan. Because I've had sober Juan on the show. I dis- I I'll take it just right in between. <laughs> yeah, it's good for me. Juan, Juan, you got to calm down, buddy, because. <laughs> Listen, listen. We're not getting younger, and I want to. I want to be smoking cigars with you in our seventies here. So. I want uh, three yeah. three handles of Tito's uh, Juan. Right, That's right. what no, I'm looking for. I, I mean, I'm Speedo Juan. Yeah. Speedo. No, one. I don't want Speedo. Speedo Juan. I'll take drunk <laughs> drunk Juan over Speedo Juan. No, uh, Coop. If you had to predict this year without, because like we're here, we are at the beginning of the year. We know we know nothing about what is going to happen this year. Now, I'm not talking about the cigars that you've already had. Put that all aside. I'm talking about completely just blindly thinking about this coming year 2020 who do you think what are a couple companies two three companies that you think might have a really good year this year all right that's a that's a tough question you actually stumped me with that one so let's, <laughs> I let's stumped, co- yeah i mean i think it's it's interesting because you know there's there's a lot of companies certainly out there um that that could do that could that could take that next step um, I don't know if there's a small company that necessarily I, I see ready to kind of become the next Roma craft. I, I'm not really seeing anything like that. But I think the one company that I would look at is HBC mm. um, because he's got a good product and the product's getting recognition right now. Um, so I think as you know, that's someone to definitely watch as far as that goes. I think he's got the most upside of the small companies right now. What do you think's more important, the uh, professional branding or the product itself? 
I think in the end it's the product that's more important. Um because I think it I think if you have a good product, people will come back to it. Um I do think professional branding is important and I think sometimes the industry is I know they don't like to take themselves too seriously, but I think sometimes they do need to take themselves a little more seriously. Um, you you want to have a brand that's going to not alienate. You don't want to have branding that's going to alienate someone. So, I mean, if so, try to play it a little more safe there and then come up with a really good product and a consistent cigar. Right. What do you think? Uh, how do you feel about... Um, uh, here, here, Andrew Brand uh, asks thoughts on... Uh, this is goes right into my question. Uh, thoughts on uh, JSK, Jossam Crawl, that's Risty's. Uh, what do you think about these sort of newfangled products? Uh, they're, you know, CBD infused, even some THC infused. Uh, what are your thoughts on um, those types of products in the industry? I think, you know, Risty's kind of ahead of the curve in terms of he has found a segment of the market. Um, he took a risk with it. He probably went against a lot of people who wanted to do it, and he tapped into it. I mean, Nugs was a success. I didn't care for the cigar but that's not that's not the thing that's not the point there are people i i see those cigars turn i'm seeing them turn at the retailers who have them so i think he tapped into that i don't think Riste needs to do it f the fda cigar he doesn't he's better than he doesn't need to do that that is not gonna that is not something that's gonna help him it's gonna get him some attention but it's gonna alienate probably more people than than, than help it. i'd like to see him just continue to go down the road tyrannical buck is an amazing line I mean, so he, the Red Knight, he's got really good product. I, I don't know why he needs to go down that route, to be honest with you. But but he's a he, look. He had a great year last year. If you had to prognosticate uh, into the future, ten years down the line, uh, with and I don't I, I don't want to get into the FDA discussion in depth because it's just been beat ad nauseum. Yeah. But just just prognosticating the cigar industry into say um 2030 where do you see the cigar industry in 2030 you know i think it's going to be a i i think it's going to flatten out in this decade a lot and what do you mean by that um i don't think you're going to see like you, from 2010 to 2015 we saw an explosion of new companies we saw less of it from 2015 to 19 i i don't think you're going to see this explosion of new companies because i think ultimately regulation is going to play a key role into that I think you're going to see some level of consolidation of the bigger companies. Not to the level that I've heard some people say, but I think you're going to see a lot more consolidation um, where some of the, you know, especially we're going to see what happens with Imperial right now, obviously. And, I, you know, I, I can imagine some of these other bigger companies will be in acquisition mode. Uh, I don't see, like, you know, we talk about the big four, I don't see a fifth company, you know, I'll put Fuente in there. They're, they're a big company as well. I don't know if I see another company be, Becoming the sixth company, hmm. or Perdomo. Let's put Perdomo. So let's say six. Let's say seven. Perdomo is Perdomo is a juggernaut. I mean, people don't realize how big they are. So you, I, I don't see any company. Maybe Alec Bradley, but I don't see another one of these monsters emerging. What I do see is maybe one of these monsters taking over something that's a second level brand, and we start seeing more of that under one umbrella. Do Do you um, foresee? Is Is will it be difficult for companies like? Padrone and Fuente to um, maintain because they seem to stay on their same, you know, marketing strategy, um, not doing, you know, uh, tons of releases, sticking with their core lines. Is that going to be something that is going to be difficult for them to maintain over the I, next ten years? I don't think so because I think the I think they'll be like I don't I think they survived a level of competition in the last decade. 
And I don't think that level of competition is going to be at the same level in this decade. So I think they have a great opportunity to, to kind of sustain that. You know, there's a couple of things like Damaso just never really took off with Padron. I mean, and that's with five. Padron. Yeah, with Padron. It's yeah, five was years. Connecticut. Now. Yeah, it's five years now. You know, so I, I don't see that one kind of kind of surfacing there right now with that. Uh, you know, Fuentes, I'm, I'm really curious to see what Fuente does if they ever get that Nicaraguan factory off the ground. You know, if they ever get into Nicaragua, that could change the whole game. Did you see Juan's latest question? What was that? Who's still alive in 2030, Mike Bellity or Juan Cancel? Oh, boy. It's <laughs> a ridiculous question. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to wish death on anybody. It's a ridiculous but, but if you guys question. don't, if you guys don't straighten it out, I'm, I, I want to be smoking with you guys in 2030. I, I, Juan, if you don't straighten it out, you won't be smoking with us in 2021. So <laughs> listen, listen <laughs> I'm being dead serious here. The guy who pushed the envelope on, not necessarily pushing a harder life, not necessarily drinking, but it, you gotta take care of yourself. So, so Coop, uh, talk yeah, real quick, special. real quick about. Uh, the cigar media like for a long time there was like a million different blogs popping up and now it seems to have really settled down now there's a lot of like youtubers that come out that review cigars and stuff but as far as cigar media goes uh for a while there was you know different blogs showing up every day but that seems to have it's really settled down how do you see cigar media in 10 years you know i think it's going to get a lot more agile unfortunately right um I'm not like I think this the 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 onset of the YouTubers has made a whole thing because think about doing a YouTube. It's very easy to produce a video today. You don't have to proofread it. Um, you don't have to have server space, right? You don't have so f people want to get to cigar media. It's a lot easier for them to do video than uh, and they don't care if the video is stored on their servers or not. They they just getting into to it and doing it. So think about the the only blog that I've seen really come in the last few years. Is how about that cigar by Matt Ty? I mean, there hasn't been that new written word blog anymore, and I think people realize how much work it is. All right, Coop, what's your what's your favorite cigar right now? Like when Coop when Coop goes back to North Carolina and the trip's over and he has some time to settle down, what do you reach into your humidor for? What do you what are you into right now? You know, I've been I, again going back to the HBCs, and I just woke up, I've been really into those HBCs right now. The Serie A, uh, the five hundred. Anniversary, the broadleaf. I'm I'm really digging what what he. And it comes from a factory I really like. I'm really digging this stuff right now. But I also say I smoke a lot of Crux still, and I like Crux products a lot, and they do well. But they're they're consi they're ones I go back and consistent. And I'll put Davidoff in there. I spent a lot of money on Davidoff, so despite what people would think. So in the cigar media, like we used to get tons of stuff sent to us all the time. Right. That's pretty much gone these days like nowadays we buy our own stuff for the most oh, we part we get free samples <laughs> which okay. is is not true um so like when you're when you're doing your list your year in list and your reviews are you buying most of the stuff yourself or it's about a 50 50 split yeah and you know um look if you look at some of the stuff that's on my list they don't give out samples of that stuff so, I mean, it doesn't happen. Some of them, yeah, my number one cigar, I, got, I, I, I was exposed to through a sample. I'm not going to lie. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's about a mix of that. Um, and I, I always say if people can't, I don't understand why the cigar industry has this aversion to sampling a product. And I am also going to say a lot of the cigar media cowed to it. And, like, they, instead of, like, saying, look, samples are a part of what we do, they said, oh, we, we, don't, smoke, we don't get samples. We're buying our stuff, right? 
listen, this the brands we're not going to get exposed to or access to if we don't get samples either. So, and then certainly you can go buy more cigars after that. All right, what about this, Coop? Um, before we get in, by the way, we're going to do our top three favorite cover songs of all time. And so uh, you guys watching on Facebook right now, start thinking of the, your favorite cover songs of all time because Coop's a big music guy, and I am too. But, Coop, I have this final, final question about cigars. You're, you're mowing your yard. This is not the time for busting out a uh, Davidoff Diademus 50. You just want a a a standard easy to get a hold of inexpensive cigar what is coop mowing his yard to and smoking at the same time well first of all mowing my yard will never happen right but you don't mow your own yard I, no I, I i have someone do that a man me. has to mow his own no, yard no, coop. No, as a ceo you have step but no, a man mows his own yard <laughs> <laughs> no we don't do it. but uh, you know what the Pedro thousand series it's not an expensive cigar it's a quality smoke um, and, I, and I feel like I don't have to break the bank t- to, to get that. All right. How about this? And this is on that same okay. line of thought. Uh, all the people watching and, and, and they're probably wanting like, what's a tip from Coop? Like what's a cigar I should go try tomorrow? What should I go to my, what should I go to my local human? Or you already mentioned HBC, but what's another cigar that you should just go out into your local, uh, brick and mortar retailer and try something that maybe they haven't tried yet i'm gonna say the, the my number one cigar of the year because a lot of people haven't tried it the saga short tails uh, uh tomo six now when you say saga that's s-a-g-a s-a-g-a uh they're the produced by delos reyes cigars who are the reyes augusto reyes family in the dominican republic chances are if you're smoking something with dominican tobacco it's coming from the, the reyes farms um and you know i've had people come back to me and say that cigar is really good you know some people say maybe it's not the number one cigar but it's not an expensive cigar. It doesn't break the bank. And um, I would, like I said, I challenge someone to smoke it and tell me it's bad. What? What? Um, now this isn't is isn't really cigar related, but it is. Um, me and you have traveled a lot together, Coop. We've traveled more. To, I've traveled more to him than my wife and Jordan's <laughs> second. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Um, what? What cigar tour, factory tour, was the most impressive in your mind? I kind of have a couple answers on that. We talk about farmer factory. Uh, let's just say the trip, the the trip in general. Well, I think I think the Davidoff operation was was really impressive. I mean, we we went through the whole thing from the farms to the, to the factory there. Um, I'm gonna put Jerry Tobacco's right on there as well. Um, by my own means, I had a little more of an intimate tour with that. Um, so that that could weigh into it as well. AJ's tour, if you get a chance to do the full day of AJ's tour, where he takes you through it. Amazing, amazing. What AJ's very into it. It's I mean, a, you can saw a, a little bit factory. of it. It is like, a clean. It's yeah. like a hospital. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, not really. You but. know. So Drew. I mean, Drew Estate. They do a good. I mean, their factory is a really good job too. It was good when I went with you. I hadn't been to Drew Estate in a few years, and a lot had changed. Yeah, that's cool that that's starting back up. Uh, I'll be heading to uh, Drew Estate again for the first time on Safari. Um, March fourth. Yep, and I'm going in April. So yep, that'll be, be yeah. And me and you are both going to Perdomo. We're going to Perdomo and which together. That's suppo- and that's supposed to be an amazing. Everyone's telling me that's an amazing trip. By the way, Coop, the most thing I'm looking forward to that trip is hanging out with you for three oh, days. Oh man, we're gonna be like, yeah, it's gonna be amazing. Yeah, this guy right here, man, he's the, the best. only thing is he's not going to pro cigar, and I'm kind of bummed about that. I, I'd love to. I need to do that at one of these. Yeah, one of these days. Um. Let's let's get into a different topic. You said the other day that this this blew me away, and I asked you, what were the three greatest 
female vocalists in the 80s. And I brought up Chrissy Hind of the Pretenders, and you recoiled as if you were being bit by a rattlesnake. Oh, that's a <laughs> horrible pick. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that monotone voice. And that Not monotone, no. Oh, Are you kidding that me? nasally, ugh. Oh. Nothing compelling. What What would you pick, Coop, as far as uh, female vocalists? I think I mentioned Laura Branigan is one that I, she had a power. I mean, she passed away. What a powerful voice on Laura Branigan, just a pure vocal. A pure female vocalist. She's done some. I mean, look, the singles blues picked up her song Gloria for that theme song. Everyone was well, then. It must be good. She, yeah. <laughs> I'm making that. Yeah. Their name is their name is the Blues. Yeah. I mean, but 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 she had a she had a voice. I mean, and I I have a lot of her albums, and I don't know her career kind of derailed in the late '80s. I don't know if it was bad management, so but she to me, like I know everyone talks Celine Dion. She blows away Celine Dion in every aspect. Coop. Oh, no, there it is. Uh, best show you've ever seen? Concert? Concert. Concert. Um, I would say it was the Police Reunion Tour in 2007 mm-hmm. uh, when they got back together. I kind of liked how they kind of um, kind of tweaked some of their songs. It was, it was amazing to see them on stage. Uh, I'll put Rush in there. Uh, I saw Rush on the Power Windows Tour in 85. You know, Neil Peart passing away. Great show as well. Um, I would probably put uh, U2. What would be like your ideal show that you, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't see because the band is no longer around? Um, In Excess with Michael Hutchins. Because obviously I can't, and I never saw In Excess with Michael Hutchins, unfortunately. So, and that's, you know, without Michael Hutchins, that's not the same band um, to do that. So I would definitely put that one on there. Now, Karen Karen might disagree with you on that. but uh, well, we, we, well, Karen and I have both seen with J.D. <laughs> Fortune, who did a very good job, but but Michael, I think everyone knew that. And I'll, and I'll say Led Zeppelin, obviously. I never got to see them live. I would say that the band that I, I, I never did get to see live was the Ramones. I would pick that in a heartbeat. But I did get to see uh, The Clash at Red Rocks, which you got to go to oh yesterday. Oh, my goodness. Red Rocks is just like... Is it, uh, is it amazing or what? It's, it's just so beautiful. I mean, even I didn't it's get the to hollowed the grounds, Coop. It, it, it was a bucket list place for me to go. And um, it was a very... It, it just... a very. It was cold. But the cold didn't seem to bother me. I, I, to, I've cut back on going to a lot of concerts. I don't go to as many as I used to. But, but I would go to the one at Red Rocks. It's just a beautiful place. I right? mean, again, it goes back to you two playing at Red Rocks. I've, I've watched video of Stevie Nicks play at Red Rocks. Um, there's just something about those Red Rocks and that. I, I, I imagine when you watch it, the night sky there, it's, uh, I'm sure there's it's Sunday. There's almost no bad concert you can go to at Red Rocks. It's just good. Uh, uh, pretenders, time. maybe. But. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ouch. Dang. Ouch. Uh, all right, so we're going to get into our three favorite cover songs of all time so obviously i'm sure most of you are aware that a cover song is a song that was done by somebody else but now was is covered by another band and they did it even better than the first band so jordan let's start with you what's your what's one of your three jordan favorite cover songs of all time and if you're watching on facebook i want to hear what you guys have to say uh your favorite covers cover tunes uh post them right now in the chat i want to see what you guys say uh i'm gonna go for the first one amy winehouse valerie oh my goodness wow old amy wow i mean what a tragedy huh she has a bunch of cover songs that i could have put on this list you gotta look at what one i talked about this guy mark ronson who's who you know he's worked with bruno mars and stuff mark ronson got the most out of her uh he's a super producer dj kind of guy he played on this one 
amazing, amazing track. By the way, uh, just so you all know, uh, Coop, you've uh, sort of taken on Cigar Jukebox, yep. which was a great show by Dave Burke in Australia. Yep. And uh, for whatever reason, uh, Dave didn't want to keep it going. So you, you're sort of keeping it going, and that show airs when? Uh, once a month. We, uh, we just aired one on, on Monday. We do one episode a month. Uh, Dave's still a part of the show. We incorporate a lot of Dave's vision into the show. We, we're using a two-man format now. Uh, we're not doing – he was doing cigar personality interviews. We're not doing that because we already have that conduit on Coop. Gotcha. So I'll do my first one. Uh, you guys may not uh, realize that uh, the famous Elvis Costello song, What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding, that is actually a cover song which was uh, originally done by Nick Lowe. He had a band called Brinsley Swartz in 1974 that did that song. What's so funny about But uh, Elvis Costello redid it, and it's one of my favorite songs to this day, so that uh, makes my list in the top three. Coop, what's your first cover song that you want to recognize? Well, we, we actually, it's funny. We had a conversation about cover songs on one of the jukebox shows with Skip Martin who gave me a lot of grief, but I'm looking at ones that are better, so I'm kind of tweaking my answers a bit. But right. but I'm going to go Hotel California by the Gypsy Kings. Mm-hmm. I know it's like, it seems like sacrilegious to go against the Eagles there, but that's a hell of a, that's a, hell of a cover song. Uh, and I, I just think the Gypsy Kings put that whole spin on it, and it's great cigar music, too. Great cigar music. Yeah. What, what, what makes great cigar music? You know, I think you got to have a little bit of that Latin vibe to it. Mm. I, think, I think, you know, because this is an industry that was, you know, it's, it's a Latin American industry, so... Um, I think that really plays into it, and it just the culture is, is part of it. All right, Jordan, what's your second pick on the best cover songs of all time? All right, I'm going to go Johnny Cash Hurt Ooh. covering uh, Nine Inch Nails. The, he, in my opinion, most of his best stuff was like right before he died. Mm, right. That those that last. Well, I don't know if I'd say his most his best. Stuff. In my like, opinion, you know, is. I mean, like uh, Walk the Line and all that. Yeah, it's good, but you know, I don't think. You, that just appeals to you more yeah. the newer stuff the newer stuff yeah all right i'm going to i'm going to go by the way my next one was this is a good um this is a good segue cuz my next one is ring of fire which was originally by johnny cash in 1963 but i'm going to go with uh social distortions version and that was in 1990 but also wall of voodoo did that in 1980 which i also liked as well which was dramatically different but i think the social d version is the best one of them all 1990 ring of fire oh it's a fantastic song Mm. coop number two for you i'm gonna go and i know this sounds crazy this was actually my song of the year this year we did it on jukebox whitney houston before she died started working on a cover of steve winwood's higher love Mm. And um, it didn't get finished. She passed away, and recently there was a producer by the name of Kaigo. He's a North Norwegian producer. He finished it up. And I never t- Steve Winwood's "Higher Love" is one of my all-time favorite songs, and I never thought a song would top it. Like it's someone could top it on the cover. She did an amazing job on it. Brought a little bit of a gospel feeling to it. Um, just a tremendous uh, song. All right, Jordan, your last pick. Of the three. Well, I was going to go... By the way, we do have a top three graphic. You could have... Oh, yeah. You could have added that to the screen. There it is. Weekly top three. three. It's a little late on that. That's all right. Jordan, what's your... I'm just a humble producer. (laughs) Uh, uh, My last one was 
up in the air. I didn't know what I was going to pick. And then I saw in the last second here, Matt post the perfect answer in the comments. Mm. Rocket Man, my morning jacket. Oh. Amazing. Amazing. So uh, Elton John originally did that song, right? Yeah. Probably a Bernie, Bernie Taupin written, I would, yeah. I would assume. Yeah. Um, and my morning Which jacket. I, did I that. saw my morning jacket at Red Rocks. What'd Coop. you What'd you think of that? And you know, I love my morning jacket, but it's not a band I'm into seeing live apparently because they're just such a jam band that they get in these things that go on for half an hour and just fall asleep in the stands. <laughs> but you still like that. But I was one. there. You were there. You like that. All right, my final one, Coop, is um, Ziggy Stardust. Now it was originally done by David Bowie. 1972, right? But it was redone by Bauhaus in 1982, ten years later. So, guys, if you if you get the chance, go look up Bauhaus's version of Ziggy Stardust. It is incredible. Uh, to me, probably one of the best cover songs of all time. By the way, those guys did uh, Bela Lugosi's Dead. They did Telegram Sandwich. That was also a cover song from um, who was that guy? Mark Bolton, Bolin, that uh, I can't think of the name of his band. Anyways, Coop, what's your final on the three? I'm audibling a bit because the, when I gave the original list to you, it was cover songs, but we're going better than the original. So the number one, this is kind of a weird cover, and, and I'm going to count it as a cover. So the police did a song called Shadows in the Rain. Mm. Now, when Sting launched his solo career, he did an album called Dream of the Blue Turtles, very jazz-infused album. He and his band essentially covered and redid that entire song. And it's the best song on that album. It's a much better version than the police's song ever. Uh, and to me, it's a, it just, it's an, it, I never get tired of listening to that song. So I'm going to count it as a cover because the only difference is the vocalist is the same, but it's a completely different version of it. What would you say the best uh, police album was? You don't need to remember the name of it, but like, one, two, three. Like, did you like them early on? Like, um, you know, Roxanne and Walking on the Moon, or did you like them later on? Uh, I, I'm a, a fan of early, early Police. Look, the first two albums, uh, Regatta de Blanc, Outland uh, de Samore. Outland de Samore was first, Regatta de Blanc was second. Good. But Synchronicity no. was the iconic album. I mean, no. All my. <laughs> Just no. No. I mean, King of Pain? Wrapped around your finger, murder by numbers. Every breath you take, you could erase. That's the worst song on that album, by the way. <laughs> I, I can take that off. That's that album, Synchronicity One and Two. Um, to me, that album. The only reason why that album didn't do bigger the year it came out was because of uh, Michael Jackson's album came out that year, Thriller. Mm. Which one was Message in a Bottle on? Message in a Bottle was on the um, Bogota de Blanc. So that they that they had some great stuff, right? But yeah, and by the way, when they Sting does versions of "Messages in a Bottle," which are amazing, even today. Coop, what would you say is your all-time favorite band? Um, it's you know both folks know In Excess, but the other band that I put right up there is Tears for Fears. Mm. Um, I'm a big they, now Tears for Fears had that one album that was just incredible. Songs every, on the Big Chair is the one Every knows. song was great. But they've had other albums. And I have actually had a conversation with Nick Perdomo. We've t we got very deep into Tears for Fears talk when I interviewed him. I almost put Mad World on my list. Mad right. World, they, uh, Gary Jules destroyed that song. No way. No, listen, listen. No. The, Get out of here. Kurt Smith, the, no, the, Mad World, and that's on the Hurting album. That is, I, I, that, actually that, that cover was much more successful. 
It won that uh the British uh Christmas song of the year, which is the uh, like when you get a number one song in England on Christmas, it's like a big deal. So that that cover did win it. But I'm a tears and Tears for Fears, by the way, embraced that cover, which surprised me. They what, were very high on it. Who did you like better, Blur or Oasis? Oasis. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I you know, I think that uh, it was strange. I found out that Blur actually was more successful than Oasis, yeah, which weird. shocked me. And I probably listened to more Oasis than Blur. What about Gorillas? You know, I like Gorillas, which comes from yeah, Blur. This is Blur. Yeah, I do like Gorillas. Um, you know, and again, you know, uh, uh, Daft Punk was kind of along the lines of the Gorillas, like techno. Again, music's changed a lot. Now you have these behind-the-scenes artists emerging on albums. I I would say, you know, that they, what would you say is the golden time for music for you? Like, for me, it was in the 80s. Like, when I was, um, you know, getting into The Clash and XTC and those types of bands. Do you have, like, a golden era for Coop? Like, what was, like, the golden era where you, I mean, like, you just, like, you wanted to get every single album. You were, like, so into it. Like, there was a time in, I think, all of our lives or most people's lives where music was such a big part of our life. Was there sort of a golden era for you, Coop? It was 82 to 86. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I went very wide range of albums, but I mean, some of my, I was into, you know, Genesis had gotten a little more commercial, but I was into what they were doing. Obviously, Tears for Fears and In Excess came up through that era. Uh, Prince, I mean, Purple Rain, iconic album to this day. Um, and it was just a good quality. Winwood came in 86. We're back in the high life. So then I think there was something that just went wrong. Music became more coffee house. And that was the end of that was kind of the end of how we knew it. Mm-hmm. They they went they people start. I mean, I think the synthesizers did some good things in music. Uh, we were talking the other night. I think if you break down, uh, what do you call it, a uh, heart of glass, uh, by Blondie, it is one of the most technically advanced songs ever done. Uh, there's a YouTube video out there which you, it, just Google it. You can find how they built the tracks on that song. It's amazing. By the way, best Blondie song of all time, Union City Blue. Just Mark I'm, I'm going Heart of Glass and Mark Maria. I love Maria, which was a later one. Dreaming. Too. Good song. Yeah, that's a great song. This is a great song. Yeah. Yeah. Deborah Harry was amazing. And, and, and Rapture was, was ahead yeah, of its. That, I, uh, I can't get into that no, one. You uh, could get in, no, I can't get into that. You should, one. That's an amazing female. I counted her as a 70s one when we were talking. Yeah, because the, she was like late 70s. Yeah. yeah. I kind of count her as 80s, but yeah, you're probably right. Let me, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Is rock music dead? We were posing that question yes. on Jukebox. It is rock music. It is dead. Green Day killed it. it they they, they <laughs> took a knife. They stuck it in the back of the neck, and it is now dead. And then Imagine Dragons I, just I buried thought it. Arcade Dragons. Fire was going to save it, mm-hmm. and then they came off the wheels too. Yeah. Why is that, Coop? What 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 changed? What? I think it's very hard to creatively do three consecutive good albums. Mm. Think about it. it's very hard to do that. Most artists they do a, they have a hit album, they try to follow it up with the second album. It, it does almost as well, and then they put the third album out, and they realize that that second album wasn't as good, and no one's gonna pay attention to it. I I don't think rock is dead. I think it lives on in more, in smaller circles. Mm. If you're listening to the radio, it's dead. Sure. The problem is like like the rock artists are passing away, and there's not a new generation coming in right now. I you think know? I think there is. It just you just wouldn't have. Heard Would you of consider them. like Ed Sheeran rock? No, no. no. That's the thing. It's yeah. definitely not rock. No. I mean, Taylor Swift is is, is oh, not rock. Oh goodness, rock. no, no, God no! Please, Coop, you're no, that's not music. Either. You're giving me a kidney stone just yeah. listening to I, it. Yeah, 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 no. yeah. That, that can't be. But you know, 
there there's do you remember like Joe Jackson? Oh, he was wow. Right. Like Joe Jackson was like like a punk rock kind of era guy. And then he came out with like a jazz album, which was amazing. Stepping so, out, right? Stepping out is was just, yeah, incredible. Just, like there was so much creativity. You know, and and nowadays it seems like you have to kind of be in one there there seems to have been condensed into sort of like one thing, you know, post Malone-ish that you have to do that it seems like everybody has to do. And I'm not it's nothing against Post Malone. I kind of like some of his songs, but it doesn't seem like there's any more of those great rock rock and roll stars. There's like, you know, hip hop stars and stuff, but there's not great rock and roll stars. No, there isn't. Look, the hip hop hip hop evolved and it's certainly got its place in the music right now. Uh, you have to look at it differently than rock. Skip says I hate hip hop. Beastie not... Boys run DMC. Oh yeah, I mean I I actually go run DMC. Really over oh, the Beastie Boys? Yeah, I love Run DMC. I love Beastie but... Boys. I I mean I remember when the when Run DMC was coming up in like '84, and um, that was an I mean this it was a very unique sound they had. They kind of set the tone for I think the rap movement, which became hip hop. I wouldn't say that was they were a pure hip hop band at the time. Yeah, because yeah, it was a diff- It was definitely different than what we hear today's music yeah. or whatever. But um, so Coop, um, the jukebox, cigar jukebox is just one of the various things that you do. Right. Obviously, the main thing is cigar-coop.com. and uh, tell folks other ways they can find what you're doing. I mean, most people watching may be familiar with you, but some of the people might not be. How can uh, People follow along with with you and what you got going on. I mean, the easiest thing is go to www.cigar-coop.com. There's fresh content out every day. Every day. We've had that since July 3rd, 2012. Have not missed a day. You'll So you'll get all the stuff there. That you have access to the podcasts, um, you know, as well. And if you're, you know, if, you, if you're someone who doesn't go to Cigar Coop, you want to get the podcast, you can find Cigar Coop on uh, iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, any podcast catcher, tune in, all those things. Now, Coop, you, you have two hashtags that you live by. Right. Rumor-free, teaser-free. Do you want to explain those? Yeah. So, I mean, the let's kind of go with the rumor-free because we kind of hit on that one earlier. That's pretty much what it said is, you know what? One thing is we're not going to print room, we're, you, you know, we're not going to print rumors on there. Uh, so the stuff you know is, is validated. Um, have I have I missed? Yeah, there was a couple of big misses I've had from time to time, and that was probably because I didn't validate to the level it should have had. But the teaser-free thing, I just think I always want to be a straight shooter, and I don't want to ever bait someone to my site to um, click on something. So, like, when I do my Cigar Deer Countdown, it has the cigar name in the title. Some people say, you should have them click in it to see what it is. No, because I'm going to trust that the content hopefully is good enough that people are going to be interested in that, right? Um, at the same time, you know, teasers, I know people like to use it for marketing. Cigar Coop's not a marketing. Uh, it's, a, it's a journalistic site. It doesn't, it doesn't mesh with that. So keep the teaser marketing campaigns. Companies do that from social media. But, you know, I, I get a press release. That, that press release is, is so incomplete sometimes. We just ain't going to waste our time printing it. And, no, you know, if you if you don't if you're gonna make me like chase you down for it, you're probably not gonna get it printed because there's a lot of people who are giving good information there. So that's kind of the teaser free thing. It's it's kind of I call it the philosophy. All right. Well, so there you have it, folks. Everything you ever wanted to know about Coop, but were afraid to ask, was on this show tonight. If there's ever a time 
Jordan, where somebody says, like, what's the deal with that Coop guy? You can just point, him, just to, point him to this video. Point yeah. him to this yeah, video. I, I'm going to put this out there. Because this is literally the entire scope of Coop as far as, as far as We I, got the scoop on Coop. There was stuff the I never talked Coop. about before that I probably talked about tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate you yeah. taking the time on a Friday night. Joining us in uh, lovely Colorado. The weather's been uh, very mild for you, which is, is good. But Coop. Um, what's next for Coop? You got TP next week. Uh, what's coming up? Anything? Any other good reviews we can look forward to, or uh, what's what's going on, Coop? In the yeah, next we're, weeks? we're starting to prime the pump with some reviews right now. So, um, you know, we got some HBC stuff coming up. I know I've been talking a lot about them tonight. Um, you'll definitely see. Um, we're, we're pretty much. I mean, pretty much you're going to see TP coverage over the next couple weeks, probably, as we kind of wind that down as well. And then we'll be resetting our review schedule probably in uh, in February as far as that goes. Um, so definitely stay tuned on that. All right, my man. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is the typical Friday night on Scar Dojo. Uh, don't forget, we're going to be going all night long on the Dojo app. So get your Dojo app out on your Party's phone. Party's just getting started. There will be no Flavor Odyssey Wednesday or no Smoke Night Live next Friday night because we will all be Robbie, Randy, Jordan, and myself, and, of course, Coop. We'll all be at the Tobacco Plus Expo in Las Vegas. Uh, Coop will be doing uh, videos, I assume, uh, or no, no. I mean, social one, media there's posts. There's one interview we're doing. Okay. Um, and, and I just I want to wait till it's, the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed, so I'm not trying to tease, but we'll announce it. But you'll be out of TPE doing yeah. whatever you're doing, and we'll be out of TPE yeah. doing stuff. So make sure to tune in to our Facebook page. We'll probably be having some... Uh, some, some a few I don't we're not going to cover it like PCA in the sense that we're going to be doing live videos like a million of them, but we're going to have some things that we'll we'll bring to you guys to give you a flavor of what TPE is all about. So that'll be starting uh, Tuesday, Wednesday ish, all through the weekend. And uh, but as far as tonight goes, get your Dojo app out. Let's see what you're listening to. Do hashtag now playing because I want to hear what you're listening to after the show. If you guys think the coop's nuts. And that um, Chrissy Hine and the Pretenders are awesome. I want to hear it. Or if you want to side with Coop and say she's terrible, I want to hear that as well. So uh, break out the uh, the Dojo app on your phone. We'll have fun all night tonight. Coop, thank you so much. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, until the next episode of Smoke Night Live, remember, never never smoke smoke alone. alone. We'll see you guys on the Dojo app. Hey, I'm Nick, man. And I buy my sweet, sweet stogies online. My website's got like 11 options. 12s, I got like nine, six, what's it going down? Anyway, they ship here super quick. Just ask my ma, right, ma? Hmm? So yeah, like 12 to 13 business weeks, he'll be here. So go to my website, man. I remember him. That was me. Sad, lonely, no women, wearing three-day-old underwear. That was before I discovered JRCigars.com, the world's largest cigar store, with a huge variety of cigars, the best prices, and the most amazing shipping options. I get my cigars just like that. So don't be like him, be like me, and order your cigars from jrcigars.com.